what do churches have to offer our world? And we mentioned the last couple of weeks that there's three things in particular that we should be offering. And those three things need to come out of our very lives. Not only something that happens here on a Sunday morning, but something that happens out in our neighborhoods and the crosswalks of life during the course of the week. And those three things are love, truth, and power. Genuine love, love of God, love of other people, truth, which we'll look at today, and then power, which we're going to look at next week, which is the ability to see change and transformation happen. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound, disciplined mind. What you just saw was actually an overview of something called the Truth Project, a focus on the family put out. Many of you, a while back, actually went through the Truth Project. And uh, yeah, there we go. I know the hands of it. And it was about helping equip you to be able to discern worldviews and what truth is. But how do you define what truth is? It's a simple definition. Truth equals that which conforms to reality. And we're pretty loosey-goosey today in our culture, as those experts were talking about when it comes to the subject matter of truth. You see, we don't want to be offensive, right? We want to be, whether it's culturally correct or politically correct, we don't want to offend. We live in a postmodern culture that uh, says that, you know, your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth, and, and that's all okay. But truth, by definition, is exclusive because it corresponds with reality, what is really happening? What is the real existence? And so we as a church should be stalking, not stalking, stalking truth for anyone who has a hunger to know truth. Not in an arrogant, um, demeaning or authoritarian kind of way, but in a genuine hungry. Don't you just love to know that which is true? I don't like to put down the wrong answers on a test. I want to know the true answer. And when it comes to living my life, I want to know what is true about the ultimate reality that I'm experiencing. I don't want to flounder. I don't want to waste time. I don't want to go down some dead ends or a cul-de-sac I have to turn back around. Where is the way? What is the truth? And how do I live my life in accordance with that truth? We should be a people that are hungry to know truth. And a people who not only hunger to know truth intellectually, but to live it out experientially in our life. You should have people come up to you and go, you know the truth, don't you? Now, ironically, in our culture, there's not um, a lot of emphasis placed on wanting to know truth. There's a lot of tension in our world today. But there's also a lot of possibility because I can tell you this, it doesn't matter what cultural precedent is being established in what generation, there is a desire to know that which is true. And young people, you in particular, you're in a very difficult season and place of life, especially if you're in high school and you're looking at college or moving into a career. There's a lot of nebulous thinking fuzzy thinking out there. And if you stand for something that's true, you're often looked down upon. 
You're like, oh, forget that. Can you, how can you really believe that? Whether it's that God exists or that Jesus was God or that he was born of a virgin, that miracles happened, that's all so foolish. But yet the scriptures teach that there is an ultimate world, and that world, and we'll look at it some next week, is a world that includes both the supernatural world and the natural world in which we see. Jesus Christ lived in that world, and he taught in that kind of world. And you can search the scriptures and you can think before God and you can find truth to some of the deepest, hardest questions of life. And one of the challenges we have, especially if you're a Christ follower this morning, is a lot of times we, we want to jump to the Bible and say, the Bible says, but then a lot of people say, well, what, it's just an ancient book. Why does it really matter what the Bible says? Is it full of myths or, or you know, hearsay? Some nice, encouraging kind of words, but it's not an authoritative truth book. But the scriptures are authoritative truth to us. But when we come to a world that doesn't believe in the authority of scripture, then we have to start somewhere else. Not in a vacuum. You start with reason and logic and, yes, even philosophy. But there's a word called apologetics that I, I was trained in a lot that was, was something that helped me with my hunger to know truth. And... Apologetic simply means to be able to give an apology, a defense of the faith. And how do we do that? And what are the questions that are out there? One of the things that kept me away from sometimes from engaging people in tough conversations about truth was like, oh my goodness, what if they ask a question and I don't know the answer? I'm going to look dumb, right? Well, friends, I don't know if anybody knows all the answers. There's one who is the answer, and he has a answer. But I don't know all the answers, and even some of the experts that are on the screen don't have all the answers. But we need to challenge our world and come at them because these questions need to be answered. And the questions really can fall into four categories. I love these four categories that have been framed up in my life. The first is origin. Where did we come from? If someone asked you that question this week, how would you answer that? How would you answer it if you didn't have the opportunity to go to scriptures? Origin, where did we come from? Because where we came from is going to define our reality a lot. If we, we just came by some type of means of evolution, as some people believe, and, and, and something came from nothing, which is really hard for me to comprehend, uh, that's all in the cosmological argument. There has to be a cause before a cause, and you go back to the first cause and those kinds of things. But where did we come from is going to give us value or worth or not. And then there's the question of meaning. Why are we here? What's the purpose of our existence? And then one of the tougher questions today, you'd think that we'd uh, learn through the years, but we're not getting much better on a lot of questions, whether it's the question of life, sexuality, marriage, you know, uh, money, you name it. We are wrestling with questions of morality, which are simply the question of what is right and what is wrong. How do I know the difference between what's right and what's wrong? And can I say what's right and what's wrong in our world today? And then the fourth question is the question of destiny. Where are we going? Where are we going? What's the future hold? Is there more than life that exists here in this natural realm? When someone passes away, what's the future hold? And so those four questions are a great place to start. The four questions of origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. What is the truth as it corresponds to those kinds of questions? Now, I wanted to jump into those four today in part, but I thought to myself, we'll never get out of here if I do that. (laughs) 
And I really felt impressed that the best thing for us to do on this whole subject of stocking the shelves with truth is to go to the source of truth and see how he interacted and corresponded with people in his age. And if you have your scriptures, I invite you to open your scriptures to John chapter 8. And in John chapter 8, we have Jesus working amongst the people. And as he's working amongst the people, there were some who were coming to have a solid belief and faith in him or into him. They, they truly were trusting him as the Messiah and the Lord. And then he had a bunch of uh, people in his day that were the um, troublemakers, if you will. Or the skeptics in one sense. The thing was, these people that he dealt with directly weren't the Roman skeptics and the people of the, of the secular world. They were actually people of the spiritual world. They were the Jewish people. They were the Jewish leaders. Friends, it's not, and it was briefly mentioned in that video, it's not necessarily the world I'm worried about concerning the issue of truth. It's the church. And Jesus had this problem straight on. Straight on. Because he had, he had a bunch of religious people leading the institutions who were into themselves or they were into their own elite status. Uh, they, they were into controlling people. Uh, they were into religiosity. They weren't into ultimate truth. And he saw right through their phoniness, their fakiness. And I trust, man, Jesus, if he is to walk in here in the flesh, I know he's here in the spirit, because wherever two or three are gathered, he's in our midst. But if he is to walk here in the physical flesh and he'd come to stand up before us this morning, I trust he would look into us and not see us as phonies or fakey people or double-minded when it comes to this subject of having truth that abounds richly. So in John chapter 8, he comes and he uh, deals with some uh, Jewish leaders. And he makes this statement, and it's a statement that maybe you've heard before. In John 8, 32, he says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, it's interesting. If you go to the university settings today in different places, they will actually use this saying, and most of them, they don't even know where it comes from. It comes from the very mouth of Jesus Christ. And he is speaking about ultimate truth, that which corresponds to reality, and he's He's wanting you and I to know that the truth is not oppressive. The truth is not restricting your life. The truth is not some authoritarian weight that crushes you. The truth is something that sets you free. Freedom is what Jesus was about. But he pointed them to the route of how you're going to find freedom in your life. Maybe you're here this morning. And if you were honest with you. Self, maybe someone else, you'd say, yeah, I'm sort of all bundled up inside. I'm just sort of tied in knots. I, I, I don't have a lot of freedom. I don't have a lot of joy. And Jesus would come to you this morning. He'd put his hand on your shoulder and say, hey, listen, I want you to know that if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Now, we've got a problem with freedom because we think that freedom is to be able to do whatever you want to do. Uh, that's what freedom is in our culture. Do whatever you want to do. But that's not what freedom really is. Freedom is being able to do what you were meant to do or meant to be. And so there is a rightness to how you take this human vessel you've been given and live it out to the fullest. Freedom is not about doing whatever you want to do. It's about doing what you were meant to do and be. 
You know, this last summer, it was interesting, sad. Actually, there were a couple very uh, popular people in their professions that took their own life. In the same month, in the month of June, Anthony, Anthony Bourdain, who was the celebrity chef, traveled the world. The world was his table. Eloquent uh, cuisine, wines, exotic places. You would think he's got it made. He's got it made. And, and he was in France and working on a project. And they found him dead in his place He was staying, he'd hung himself with his bathrobe, tie in his bathroom. He had left an 11-year-old daughter. And you go, what? And it was just shortly around that time that uh, a lady who was into fashion, known for her sleek handbags, I didn't have one, maybe you had one, (laughs) Kate Spade, she took her own life. Had everything going, a lot of great stuff. Had a 13-year-old daughter. She hung herself. And she wrote a note to her daughter. Please know that this wasn't your fault. You've just left your daughter her whole life wondering why this happened. And why is it that we think having it all is going to bring freedom? Having it all, whether it's monetarily, whether it's in, 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 in sensuality, whether it's in power does not bring freedom, does not bring fulfillment. And we have to tell the world this. Because you got people scattering all different kinds of directions, trying to find it, trying to find the fulfillment, trying to find hope, trying to find the freedom. And Jesus said, "Uh, if you know the truth, then the truth will set you free. And so we should be Stalking the shelves, we should be laboring, we should be manufacturing, if you will, not making it up, but pointing to it the subject of truth in our very world today. Because there's a lot of confusion as to what truth is. Just this very week, I believe it was this past week, people that legislate in New York thought it was uh, an improvement to say that you could have an abortion past the 24th week all the way in through the end of the trimester, unless the baby has been born, you can abort it. And you go, where does that come from? Back to that morality question, what's right and what's wrong? In Iowa, uh, this past year, they, they, they legislated something that, that uh, abortions weren't allowed after the heartbeat began. But then this last week, um, some court system said that, no, they couldn't say that. And I have a lot more respect for legislators in Iowa than I do in New York. But you, you can't get yourself all balled up as tragic and, and harsh and terrible as it is to be able to take a life and snuff it out in the womb. I mean, do you know the per, the, that the first person that worshipped and praised Jesus was in the womb of Elizabeth? When Jesus, the news about Jesus came, the baby leaped. We talked about it last week with the sanctity of life. I mean, and and there's a lot of challenging issues, I know, in that. But you step back and you go, where in the world do we come up with the idea that the life that God's created in the womb does not deserve to be born into the world? Those 
are issues that have to be addressed in our culture, but it's going to come back to truth, where your origin is, where the value of life is, what's the meaning to life, as well as morality. You're like, you know, wow. How do we think rightly on these matters? What is the truth? Is it okay to do it all the way into the third trimester or when the heart beats? I mean, and, and those are tough questions that have to be addressed with people wrestling with real life. I understand that. But we should be people that are able to address it because I can tell you this, you can walk through that process of, of terminating a pregnancy and it doesn't bring freedom. It doesn't. Maybe in some situational fears at the moment. We have the hope to give, and that hope is found in the truth because the truth brings the freedom. And Jesus was dealing with the religious people of his day saying, you need to know the truth because the truth will set you free. But here's the thing. When he said that, there was actually a verse before it. In verse 31 of John 8, it says, he, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There's sort of a progression here. And the progression to find this freedom is that you have to have belief. Now, he was talking to Jews, and it's interesting in the Greek here, it's not saying that they believed in Jesus like, like I would trust this stool and sitting on it. They didn't believe in Jesus in a trusting sense. They had begun to believe what he was saying. But there's a difference between believing what somebody's saying and having belief in them to the point of trusting your life with them. And so Jesus says this, if you want freedom this morning, then you need the truth. But to know the truth, you have to do something before that and even something before that. And before that, it, it begins with information and knowledge. And so we have to be a church, we have to be a people, we have to be people, individual in our lives, who are able to articulate information about Jesus Christ to a world that only knows him sometimes as a curse word. Or some stereotype of a nice guy. We have to communicate, this is who Jesus was and is, because we believe that he's alive and he was raised from the grave. And so... These Jews had information about Jesus, which was good. It was a good start for them, the religious elite. But he knew that it was merely a cognitive kind of ascent and that they needed to move past that. And so then Jesus says, uh, you know, you need to do this. You need to hold to my teaching or to conform to my word, the word of God. If you do this, then you will really be my disciples. Now, here's something that you can just sort of pull straight out of this idea. If Jesus is saying that you can know and if you do this, you'll become really my disciples, then there must have been a lot of people around him who were not really his disciples. What if Jesus was standing up here today? We talked about it last week, the pathway of discipleship, of a loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and the loving others. Jesus knows if you're really his disciple. Now, don't let that spook you or scare you or make you feel inhibited. It's just that he knows if you've let the truth of his word has begun to be uh, transformative in your life, or if you're just doing that churchgoer thing like we talked about. You're a churchgoer or you're a Christ follower, big difference. And so Jesus 
says, it's good you believe, but let's move past that, and then you need to hold to my teaching. Hold to my teaching. Scripture says a lot of times it's like we look in a mirror and we see something hanging all over, all over our face because we've looked into the Word of God and it says to do this or stay clear from this, and then we sort of doubt it, but then we walk away and we left the thing hanging on our face. We need to conform and correct ourselves to the mirror of the Word of God and what Jesus and his followers through the power of the Holy Spirit taught. And so he says, hold on to my teaching. Let it conform you so it can transform you. And so Jesus was telling these um, religious churchgoer kind of people that you need to walk this thing out and step by step begin to let your life be changed to be conformed to him. Jesus said to you know, love your enemies. I'm like, what? That's, that's crazy, right? Jesus said to, to stay clear from sexual promiscuity. Why? Because he's a killjoy for thrills? No. He knows how sexuality was to be lived out because he's the one who created it. And it's to be in the confines of a marriage. A man and a woman, complementarian, coming together. There's all kinds of great truth in here. Issues of forgiveness. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Why? Because your anger will actually eat you up. So how do you forgive other people? He was saying if you're standing like we were standing, some of us praying today, he actually teaches in the scripture that, that if you realize you've forgive, not forgiven somebody, you need to sort of pause and go do that. For prayers to really be able to have the power. There's all kinds of teaching of Jesus that we need to hold to in the scripture. And so if, if you believe, then you hold to his uh, teaching. And then what happens is you start to know the truth. There's something inside of you that says, no, being able to terminate a pregnancy past 24 weeks is not truth. My prior church, Melissa and I went home, uh, there was a, gal, a little baby born at 23 weeks, right? Lizzie. I remember because we moved into our new campus when, when she was uh, ushered and her mom was ushered into the emergency rooms and, 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 she, and she gave birth to this 23-week-old infant. And Lizzie loves and serves God to this day. I mean, how cool is that? God can sustain the life outside of the woman. But yet... Where does the truth knowledge come from that? Or this is right, that's wrong. Or the origins or the meaning issues, the issues of destiny. Yeah, it's, it's anchored in the word of God and it can be argued outside of the word of God even. But truth, you will know the truth. And then his final thing, as we mentioned, is that that truth is going to set you free. So my question today, could it be that some of the challenge you are having in your life with some of your hang-ups is because you don't have truth. You don't have truth. And what could some of those hang-ups be? Well, there's all kinds of hang-ups we have. There's fear, worrying about tomorrow, worrying about some event that will or will not happen. There's pride, some self-centeredness kind of things going on in your life that you, you, you want it and you want it your way. There's guilt. Some of you, uh, you're hanging on to guilt because of things you've done in your past. And, and Jesus has some beautiful truth for you about his grace and what he did through the cross and his resurrection. 
You see, there's different kinds of hang-ups we can all have, but if, if you're going to walk away from those hang-ups, you have to walk into the truth, and the truth is hopefully going to be something that sets you free. So to be freed from your hang-ups, you need to hold on to the truth that is in Jesus. Now, that's not something you're going to find in the university setting, or teaching you. Maybe some Christian institutions or if there's a Christian professor or whatever. But you're not, you're, you're not going to find that in the world. But you should find that here at the Awakening Church. That the truth will set you free. Free from your hang-ups. But the truth is you holding on to Jesus and learning more about him. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Oh, it's a little exclusive there, isn't it? Don't you think, Jesus, what about the Buddhists? What about the Hindus? What about the Muslims? Jesus is saying, wait a second. Truth, by definition, is exclusive, and every other religion is exclusive, too. Some pretend not. Some spiritualities today that are propagated in modern secular culture say, oh, it's all sort of one and the same, and you can sort of, no. Truth, by definition, is exclusive. And Jesus then had the gall to say, I am the way, I am the truth and the life. And so Jesus was either a, a crazy person, he was a liar, or he really was Lord, as they say. He goes on with these people, and we'll just finish this passage down here briefly. Uh, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? You see, these religious elites had some problems. Their problems were self-centeredness in who they were in their spirituality. And Jesus got pretty direct with them, and this is what I like about Jesus. He's, uh, <laughs> he's just a truth speaker. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You will be free indeed. Then look where he takes verse 37. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, which means that they felt they were entitled. They had this, what they thought were free. What do you mean? Yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they said. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus said, then you would be doing what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. And they push back on him. The, these people of the culture, the religious people of the culture, we are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. And Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come hear from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. Oh, wow. You went pretty low there. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. 
When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. If Jesus was to speak this message this morning, he would go into the supernatural world. He would tell you and I that there's something behind the scenes of people making legislative decisions or people making verbal decisions that affect your life, that there is a warfare going on. We're going to talk about it a bit more next week and that there is a battle going on and the adversary, Satan, a fallen angel, the Lucifer who fell to heaven with his host, he is at work to bring lies into this world. Time and time again you hear lies spoken from all kinds of directions. Media, friends, family members even. Now I'm not condemning people, but you need to know this. The adversary wants you not to hold on to truth. He wants you to believe the lie, follow the lie, and when you follow the lie, you end up in destruction. I don't know what lies a Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain listened to, but something was in their head pushing them, some hopelessness that pushed them to the brink of taking the very life that was given them from God above. And Jesus got pretty real, pretty quick, and pretty direct with these churchgoers. May we not be a people in this store, in this house, who let the lies of the world seep into our life and as Osgin has said on that video, just the corrosive nature, the rotting nature of our culture. You stay true. You stay in God's word. You hold on to truth. You know the truth. The truth is Jesus Christ and he will set you free. He came back to them with really, he came back to them after that section with, with four question, three questions. Yet because I tell the truth, do you believe me? Do you believe me? Silence. Can any one of you prove me guilty of sin? Silence. If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Silence. And then he said, whoever belongs to God, here's what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. May we be a people that belong to God. May we hear His truth. May we present His truth. May we live His truth. And may the truth set people free in our valley. Will you pray with me? Our Lord Jesus, on this morning we ask that You would come and You would bring us a conviction in our own life of truth. That conviction may have to do with our sin. It has to do maybe sometimes with our hang-ups. But Lord, we want to know what is right and what is wrong according to the eternal annuals of heaven. Lord, may you take us as a church in this formative time, in this new location, in this valley, to be a beacon of truth, not in a haughty or ugly way, but in a loving way. May we live out the truth. May it be seen and experienced in our lives and our community. May we become more equipped to articulate truth, even to those who would be outside, even discussing what scriptures would say. And Lord, may you draw people to you supernaturally through your Holy Spirit. And may we see people come to freedom in our body for your glory. If there's anyone here this morning who needs to know the truth, the truth of Jesus, the truth to set them free, I just encourage you as we close in worship to invite Christ to be the Savior and the Lord of your life. He will take you at the place you are 
and lead you to the next step and the next step. As you hold on to the truth, you will become really his disciples. God bless you. Amen and amen. The ushers come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings as we close. Let's worship him.